I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball as well as MLB-wide hot stove. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast can be found, as always, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, and wherever you can find it on Google. For everyone on iTunes, if you want to help us out and kind of help the the show kind of get more exposure, the easiest way you can help us out is to give us a good review on iTunes, hopefully five stars as well, and uh, nothing you do uh, could help us more greatly than that. Joining me, as always, uh, Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville. How are you guys? Average. How are you, Terry? (laughs) Average. Wow, I'm going to take that as bad. Uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm good. How how are you, Liz? Uh, I, I'm good, but I'm cold. I, I know I'm in Florida, and I oh be come on, that, but uh, and uh, particularly with you up in Mass, but oh my God, in like, Maine, winter has in come. Maine, the Arctic <laughs> Circle is come. like is like the New Hampshire Maine border, so I'm above it. <laughs> You're in Maine. I yeah, Central Maine. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. I know. I uh. And I haul mail, and you guys were, we were just kind of bantering, you know, before we come on. You guys get your nice warm office jobs, or air conditioned, maybe, I don't know. And uh, I froze my butt off all day hauling uh, U.S. mail, which just... Let me tell you, oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I'm like, maybe I'm Santa Claus or something, because I'm like delivering people's Christmas presents. I've never looked at it that way. I'm kind of chubby, but I'm not that old, so I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, you guys had 50-degree weather down there, I heard. I don't know. Yeah, it got pretty cold here, uh, <laughs> which I handle like a child because I moved to South Florida to avoid all that nonsense, and then it falls me down here like three days a year. And <laughs> three days But a year. anyways, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I think it's going to be 80 again by Saturday, so we'll be... True. We'll be back. That's Florida for you. It gets cold for a couple of days, and then it goes back to normal, and then you, hopefully by Christmas we'll get a couple more seasonable days. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll take the warm over the cold any day. That's exactly why I only lasted two years in uh, in Boston. It oh, it killed me. Yeah, it's definitely chilly up here, but oh well. Um, <laughs> hey, 
Hey, Terry, just to transition into baseball, can I read you one of the more ludicrous tweets I've seen in quite some time? Uh, Ken Rosenthal. This, this, this is where you know you're getting into the cesspool of the offseason where it's like enough removed. There's been we've been removed enough from the World Series, but we're still that far away from pitchers and catchers where like no one knows what to do. This is what Ken Rosenthal tweeted earlier. Like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> Makes me laugh. From someone who attended Patrick Corbin's recent wedding, quote, his younger brother gave a best man speech and at the end took out a Yankees hat and put it on, which elicited a great applause and said they all hoped that he and Jen would be moving closer to home, close quote. Which then, if you leave, leave the quotes, like people did MapQuest and found out that like Philadelphia was actually closer to the Cor- Corbin family home and maybe it means Philadelphia. Like That's where we're at. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but there was some news this week. Um, and it looks like Cano is going to get dealt today, although I guess that's still in flux. Yeah, uh, that won't be finalized until tomorrow, but uh, it looks like a couple of pitching prospects who admittedly I am not uh, all that familiar with will be going uh, back to Seattle in the deal, and then to make the money uh, work, they're going to be sending uh, Jay Bruce over there, who apparently will waive his no-trade clause how the hell Jay Bruce has enough leverage to have a no trade clause is beyond me, but um, he does, and it's apparently going to get waived. And uh, could I can I answer that question for you? Sure. Yeah, it's because the Mets gave it to him. <laughs> okay, and you know what? That makes perfect sense now. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 the dumpster fire of dumpster fire of dumpster fires of Major League Baseball teams. So, of yeah. course, the, the Mets would give Jay Bruce a, a fucking no-trade clause. So, And and agree to take on Robinson Cano, five years, $120 million, starting with his age 36 season. So, coming off a steroid suspension. Yeah, and actually, I with, with those two expensive guys going back, uh, Swarzak will also be in that deal. So... Um, that leaves eighty six uh, million uh, left to be paid to Cano, but I think it was Ken Rosenthal uh, was saying more money uh, is expected to uh, you know go back with him. So I don't know if that's going to make him a seventy million dollar guy, an eighty million dollar guy, but um, one way or the other, he's uh, he's going to be a New York Met. By the way, we've talked uh, the last month or so about the potential $300 deals. Harper, Manny Machado, absolute scumbag Manny Machado, uh, Mookie Mookie Betts, um, Robin, and we've talked about some of the like the warnings. Robin uh, Robinson Cano. I don't know that we've talked enough about how bad of a contract that is. Um, For whatever reason, Seattle was willing to go to his year 42 season at 24 million per. So just another kind of cautious tale about willing to go that length for for certain players. So anyways. Well, well, and it's funny that you bring that up, Jeremy, because I was listening to uh, the last episode that you guys uh, did the other day, and that actually kind of came up. Like I wondered, because Boston is a team, you know, that can absorb, you know, a big contract like that from a team like Seattle. Obviously they didn't do that. But uh, or they tend to sign, you know, big contracts like that. How do you? I mean, I guess it's kind of a weird question. Like, how do you feel about teams like like uh, 
like Seattle, like uh, like what the Marlins did with Stanton, for instance, which is I think where the where the question actually came from when you guys were talking about Stanton uh, getting traded, you know, possibly from the Yankees. Like building these huge backloaded contracts that you know they really don't want to, maybe possibly can't at least at that time you know, pay with, you know, the, like, basically knowing that they're just going to trade them off, you know, because the Marlins, I don't think the Marlins could have ever paid. What was Stanton's, what's Stanton getting paid this year? Like, I don't even know. Way too well, much. The thing, the thing with Stanton's deal was, and we talked about this, and, and as I'll, I'm typing, I'm trying to bring it up so I can give you the numbers. Mm-hmm. Stanton's deal was crazy because it was actually a three-year deal for, like, um, 20 25 million dollars and then at the fourth year it jumped to 25 million per or more and it was it just screamed that it was a three-year deal for the marlins and then a seven-year deal for whoever was dumb enough to take on the contract and that just so happens it was the yankees so here's the numbers first year 6.5 second year nine uh third year 14.5 and then it jumped to 25 and at the height of the deal it jumps to 32 but that first three years is 20 is 30 million dollars it was a three-year deal. The Marlins never intended to to have to pay the balance of the salary. Get out, yeah. And I and you know, there's some business side of it where in 2015 um, they had already decided that they were going to sell the team, and so they needed an asset to have in place for new ownership. They needed to have a new uh, stadium. They put up a bunch of parking down there, and so it was all sort of business. And then they never expected he would be a thing, you know. But here's the thing: five years ago. When Robin Cano, uh, Robinson Cano, and then uh, Pujols, which was I think six years ago or seven years ago, that was a shitty contract. Uh, yeah. Oh so, God. so here's here's the here's so there might be some people out there saying, well, why are these teams doing this, or why were they doing it? And the answer to that is that these guys were so good in their prime that teams were willing to pay for seven good years if it meant they had to swallow three bad ones. And the, and and so you know, especially like for example, when it came to pool holes, it was down to the Angels and the Cardinals. There was no one else involved that I can recall. And it, it he and the the price keeps going up and up and up. And you're going, well, what time? When is someone finally going to stop? And back then, when performance enhancing drugs were still a, a bigger factor in the game, and guys like Barry Bonds were still you know MVP candidates at 40 years old, some of these deals looked okay into the into that you know, realm or that, that laid into a player's career. And then as the steroids got kind of pushed out of the game or at least minimized, um, again, you go back to the fact, well, if we can get them for seven years, like we'll, we'll do a twilight three years, but that means we get seven years out of this one guy. The only problem with that, and Terry's been all over this point, none of these contracts, except for maybe 09 with A-Rod and the Yankees win in the World Series, like these big $300 million, $250 million players over 10 years, they're, they're not on championship teams. And so we haven't seen them for the last three or four years. So all of a sudden this year, it seems like teams are going to be willing to go that way uh, with scumbag Manny Machado and, uh, and Bryce Harper. Well, well, and what's confusing to me about the money and how it breaks down, I know it makes more sense for a team like the Marlins to pay, you know, a little bit the first year, a little bit more the second year, a little bit more the third year, and then it explodes, and before that happens, they, they trade them off. But it would, it would almost, like, particularly a team like the Angels, like, it would almost seem better for them to, to front-load it, like, pay him a little bit more on the front, 
And then, sure, like, you're not going to get rid of the whatever he's making, you know, in his latter years. But then it's more likely that you're at least going to be able to dump the salary to somebody that maybe is willing to take him instead of having them, you know, foot the bill and have it be, you know, a lot more if if he's failing. I mean, I, whenever a player gets traded from National to American League, I always give him at least one season mulligan. And I I don't know, like, pool halls to me, like, never – you know, never was the pool halls that he was with the Cardinals ever with the Angels. In my mind, anyway. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I didn't watch him enough or pay attention to his numbers enough. But he he was never worth that cost. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just wondering, like, just because you know Boston is a team that that signs big contracts and you know maybe perhaps absorbs big contracts at times. And uh, I just didn't know how you guys maybe felt like as a fan, as far as a team, you know, doing that and almost in a way, like, absorbing another team's, not mistake necessarily, but almost like falling into a, a smaller market to mid-market trap, in a way, and getting them to take take over that salary and take, you know, maybe even, you know, pay more to the smaller market teams uh, because they have, you know, so much more that they're paying out to the players. It's a different game now, too, though, in that so many teams, instead of in de- investing big dollars in these you know Bryce Harper's and Manny Machado's so far they're they want to invest in prospects and you mm-hmm. see so many more teams tanking now and I mean Bryce Harper the only team and and I think the same might go for Manny Machado well the Yankees might be in play for Machado I guess but with, with Harper, the only American League team even in play for him that we know of right now, is the Chicago White Sox. The other three or four teams are, are in the National League. I mean, seven, eight years ago, he there would probably be three or four teams in the American League as well that might be in play for him. But he's he's going to the National League. And you see so many trades happen midseason and, and in the offseason. Very rarely anymore do you see a, a top one, two, or three prospect being moved in a deal now, you know, because teams are just unwilling to give up on them. And I just think teams find value better. Now, Harper may very well get that three or $400 million deal that I've been so skeptical about, but the path to getting him there is a lot more difficult now. And, and, I hope he doesn't get it, to be honest with you, because I'm still hoping somehow, some way, you know, we'll be able to sign Mookie Betts on at least a a palatable contract that can help, you know, that, you know, we're not just going to be handcuffed by it and we'll be able to, you know, allocate money and resources to different parts of the team, but... Uh, but I definitely think that's a big part of it right now. And, um, you know, the Cano deal, I don't know. I, some of the worst deals, I listed a few of them the other day. Um, it might have been yesterday, actually. The Miguel Cabrera deal, I mean, that's looking mm-hmm. terrible right now. He can't even stay on the field. And I know mm-hmm. Pujols has been declining, but at least he's been playing, you know, at least 130 or so games a year. And mm-hmm. Pablo Sandoval, I mean, that, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Texas Rangers are still Sorry, paying. Sorry, that was, 
that was laughable <laughs> to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. The Rangers are still paying Prince Fielder, you know, big time oh, money, oh my and God. he hasn't even played yeah. for a couple of years. And yeah. actually, it's funny when I was looking at uh, at like because I know we're going to talk about you know possible trades and everything. Definitely a weakness for me. I'll go ahead and admit that now. Like I'm not good with this kind of thing. But uh, I was noticing uh, that Pedroia, they have Pedroia until 2022, and he's getting $40 million? Is that what I saw? That his overall, I think he's owed $39 million for the next three years. Oh, okay. I thought it was saying, I thought the way, maybe I read it wrong. Yeah. Oh, through, oh, through. Okay, I see. I'm like forty million. I thought I was like, holy crap, that is just insane. See, he Which was. It's still insane, but he's still like playing to me. I mean, he's been. He needs to. I don't know. He needs to hang it up. Yeah. For more than Jeremy and I but, uh, bash him every chance we get, and we're both highly skeptical that he's ever really going to play again. But, uh, but he was smart yeah. in that he he didn't wait for free agency. He knew he was you know, injury prone and, you know, took that, I think it was an eight year, $110 million deal. And, you know, he took it and he was smart for it. Cause if he would have waited a couple more years, who knows? Well, uh, don't get me started on the little leader, literally <laughs> the, the, the most fake, you know, leader or, uh, gamer of all time. Like, the over-exaggerated hop every time he gets in his stance, nickname his 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 like nicknaming himself like Shaq used to do the laser show. Um, I've never seen a guy want to be characterized as a leader more um, by the media than anyone in the history of American sports, other than than the little leader Dustin Pedroia. He was a great player young, and that energy really made a difference when he didn't have to be looked at that way. When when he was playing uh, in lineups with David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez and, you know, um, those sorts of situations. The minute that he had to, you know, quote-unquote step up and be the guy, he, he just – he sucks. And, and I get it because – He's he's an average guy. He's balding, which I sympathize with, obviously. Um, and so, like the average fan out there, just is so strongly desires him to be successful, and he hasn't been for a really long time. He stinks. Um, I'm okay with just like whatever you have to do to get out from every single possible dollar you can. Do it, whatever. But I mean, if we're gonna sit here and and rely on Dustin Pedroia as a Red Sox fan base or as ownership and, and, and baseball operations. It just seems to me to be on honestly at this point, like laugh out loud, dumb. Um, Liz, to get to your point quickly about why teams are willing to do the last three years at the same value as the rest of the deal, instead of like going from 25 to six, it's because the player would never allow it. Um, the, 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 the Players Association is so powerful in baseball. It's the only mm-hmm. sport with guaranteed contracts, but for yeah. very few other exceptions. Terry already made the point of how laughable some of the no-trade clauses can be. Hold on, guys. I'm sorry. So my son is now swindling me into trying to stay up and play with his toys, so if you hear him in the background, that's what that is. Um so what what it comes and especially when there's a bidding war teams are willing to frankly pay for those last years instead of, of having the player bet on himself and try to get one more contract at the end of it so um 
That explains that. And for a second, I'm going to sign off and try to get my son out of the room and back to bed. <laughs> kids, kids are definitely something I don't have to worry about. Just lock, lock my dog in the bedroom, and he's and he's good. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's a good sport because I have to lock her in the bedroom, but she takes the dogs <laughs> in there. And, uh, yeah, the husband's in the bedroom too. So. <laughs> Yeah, but but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess I just was thinking, you know, it's not like sign the players for less money, like make the money the same. But, you know, pay them, pay them the premium price when they're at their premium. Like, why? Why pay them less or excuse me, pay them more when they're clearly not as good? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, But I mean, for a small team with a great player, like if they can sign them for a long time and manage to pay them not that much, and then once it gets to the expensive part of the contract, they can't afford anyway. You know, they can as long as they're, you know, they have somebody who will take them. Um, you know, I guess it makes sense to them, you know, money wise that way. But who yeah. knows? I just I was thinking about that. It comes down to leverage, though, and right now the yeah. players kind of have it and. The team, the teams kind of had it last year, and that's what enabled the Red Sox to kind of get J.D. Martinez at their price because nobody else was really, you know, wanting to spend a lot of money last season for whatever reason. So, um, so it's just you know, there's a power balance, but you know, players are going to want those mega deals, and unfortunately, it takes a lot of years. And there's opt outs, but Giancarlo Stanton, for example, has already said he's not opting out because um, he's in the more expensive years of his contract where he's going to be making anywhere from 25 to 33 million, something like that, per year. So he's not going to opt out. If Miguel Cabrera had opt outs, I'm sure he wouldn't you know, do it because obviously he wouldn't get paid like that again. And same could probably be said for Cano. And so, so there's so many dynamics, you know, in play when it comes to signing a big deal, but no one's going to... Could I chime in on the... Oh, sorry, Terry. I was just going to end it by saying no one's going to laugh harder than me if, uh, if Machado and, and, uh, Harper are still on the market come mid-January. Yeah. Okay. Um, at least in, uh, Machado's situation i hope nothing but the absolute worst for that guy <laughs> uh, but to get to your point i think there's about to, look there are certain details of the of the business side of athletic uh, professional sports and baseball that like i probably will never understand but one of the things that i've been thinking about recently is the, you know these player options and david price is such a good example of how one-sided it can be like terry is was the um the president of the David Price Please Opt Out fan club. True. And it goes to show you... I'm sorry, Terry? I said true. Yeah. <laughs> I, love the, I love that. Uh, so, but it goes to show you that, like, on the opposite side of it, I was sitting there the whole time saying, Terry, like, you're dreaming, dude. And so he doesn't opt out, and the, the, the Red Sox themselves are powerless. There's, there, there's no leverage. There's no anything. He's owed a ton of money. He's underachieved, except for you know late last year. I, I I would like to see a team try to get some leverage back in that situation. Like 
give the uh, give the opt out like a, again JD Drew's deal. He has multiple opt outs, and there's been talk like they may extend him or up his AAV to get out of at least one of the opt outs. What what if teams took some leverage back by saying, well, you can opt out and void the rest of the deal completely, or we can opt out and pay you forty cents on the dollar. So, for example, David David Price has four years, one hundred and twenty left. Terry, he, he roughly, yeah, yeah, roughly. Okay. So, what if 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 he has the the option to opt out of the four years, one hundred and twenty? Why can't the Red Sox negotiate a situation where they can also opt out of the four years for a cost of a flat a flat payment of thirty million dollars or or forty million dollars? That gives them a chance to be like, this is a really shitty contract. We're going to cut our losses now instead of being in the situation which we are in with the little leader, where we would potentially have to literally DFA him and eat the whole thing. It seems to me to be a really obvious like. Um, thing that a team may consider but for whatever reason i'm not seeing it which is why i think i just don't know what i think i know no that's um, the, the players union would would never allow a team to to void it like the contract will well, it's all- not it's not a void it would be technically like you know the key the terminology is important um an opt-out is you you have the ability to cancel the contract at no penalty this is a uh, a buyout this is we can cancel the contract, but we have to pay a flat forty million dollars. So it's not like it's 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 so terrible for the player. I mean, like imagine David Price goes, I'm opting in, and the next day the Red Sox are like, No, you're not, dude. See you later. Here's forty million. He's still getting a lump sum of forty million dollars, but they save the back end of the eighty. And without penalty, he can go sign wherever he wants. Yeah. To me, it seems like a, it's not such a, a terrible situation. Like, you know, and by the way, guys are going to want opt-outs. It's the new thing. So, uh, look, we'll give you an opt-out, but you also have to give us a buyout. I, it just seems to me to be the next step in the, 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 the sort of negotiations that I would think go on it's in still, these type of deals. But, again, I could be wrong. It still comes down to the players' union, and, and they're never going to give up the contract being 100% guaranteed. You know, like in football, and I, I don't know their, you know, their contract structure that well, but I mean, I hear all the time, you know, so-and-so quarterback for so-and-so is getting $120 million, but only 76 of it is guaranteed. Like, you'll, you'll never really see that in baseball. And with the buyouts, they do have those, but those are with, uh, option years where and a good example of that is uh, Edwin Encarnacion will be paid 20 million this year and then next year he's got a 20 million dollar option but if the team doesn't pick that up they have to pay him five million and so there's a little bit of the of the buyout there but it only pertains to option years. In contracts. Yeah, no. I, so it means one year. Like I get it. Right. I'm just, I, you know, and again, I'm 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 acknowledging that there are factors in play why it hasn't happened because I seriously, strongly, vehemently deny that I'm somehow so far ahead of the curve that Dave Dombrowski hasn't thought thought that situation through. So yeah. And I'm anyways, on, look. I um, just I don't I don't I, I you know and we can come back to the to this sort of thing in a minute, but I was. Um, 
interested to see your thoughts, Terry. Uh, we talked a lot about free agents. Uh, one guy we did get to, Donaldson. Another guy we did not get to, AJ Crone. I'm sorry, CJ Crone, uh, who was kind of unceremoniously DFA'd by the Rays for no reason other than that they're the Devil Rays and they're just a, a an absolute clown franchise. Like um, uh, Liz, and by the way, uh, with all due respect, which means I can say whatever I want moving forward. Uh, uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> so with all due respect, like the devil rays continue to be the devil rays and cut a guy basically because I don't think they wanted to pay him $5 million. The guy had 30 bombs, 74 RBIs. That, that, that team is starved offensively. They trade Ramos, who's, you know, probably one of the top one or two offensive catchers in the league. I mean, it's honestly laughable. And if I was um, a guy we talked about a lot in the awards podcast, we did about three weeks, three weeks ago. If I'm the Devil Rays manager, uh, Cash, like, uh, why wouldn't you go to literally any other franchise and coach where they actually give you some assets? So, I mean, he signs with the Twins for $5 million. It's, a, it's, a, it's honestly kind of laughable. Honestly, if, if I tried to figure out what the hell the Rays are doing most of the time, I don't think I could work. I mean, because it would take that long to figure out, like, WTF. Like, what the hell? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Aside from the fact that they have, you know, Bowers for, for first, and I guess that's where Kron was playing uh, most of the time, even though they, they move everybody around so much. I mean, they, they can almost put anybody anywhere, you know, these days. Uh, that's just the way that they're running the team. But, um, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I can't say that you're not right. But I can't say that the decision was wrong either. I mean, I, I'll never count them out on any decision. I mean, maybe they're trying to dump a little salary. Maybe they're going to try to keep Blake Snell around a little longer. Uh, I mean, obviously not ah. probably <laughs> very long. But uh, maybe they want to free up that money to try to at least hold on to him, you know, a little longer, if not for any other reason, maybe sign him to some crazy contract and then trade him, trade him away to one of you guys uh, or, you know, to one of the, to the Sox or to the Yankees or whoever, you know, whoever will take him at that point, uh, probably not let him go to free agency, but, um, I, I don't know. Every, every single year I, I go into it cautiously optimistic and hoping that they're making the right decision. And until this season, it, it hadn't panned out in a couple of seasons. Uh, I'd always just hung my head most of the time, but um, I mean they're doing some, some wow. wild things and it's and it's working out. So uh, I mean that's nothing wow. they do surprises me anymore. Absolutely nothing. Terry, Absolutely you want to you want to go next, or or would you like me to go? Well, I mean he he had he did have a breakout season. Um, you know he'd been with the Angels for quite a while, and you know yeah. they're they're a dumpster fire in and of themselves and uh, but he did hit 30 home runs last year drove in 74 hit you know mid mid 200s and um, yeah I mean he's a serviceable player and and the twins scooped him up they claimed him I think the day after he was put on waivers and and uh, yeah so I the the Rays have a mind of their own no other no other franchise in Major League Baseball is is operating like they are, except for maybe the the Brewers probably aren't too far behind them, and um, 
you know, we'll, we'll see if it works. They won 90 last year. I'm assuming the Red Sox aren't going to win 108, you know, maybe 100. I don't think that's too far out of the realm, and, and the Yankees could be right around there as well. But could be a competitive year. And for that organization, it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of replicate last year and do it again. If they do, then a lot of the stuff that they've pioneered, you know, using the opener and, you know, how they build their roster is going to really start to be examined. And I don't think, I don't think Bob Melvin at the beginning of last season knew he would be using an opener for the one game wild card in the Bronx. Like, you know, so it's caught on a little bit, but you know, us in the AL East, we're we're gonna have a front row seat to it because we have to play them nineteen or twenty games. But but uh, like like Liz said, you know, we could sit here and try to figure it out all day long, but they're gonna they're gonna make a move that's gonna make us scratch our heads. And Belichick does that with the with the Patriots, not to like you know, not as far as the whole team, but he'll make one trade every year that. You know, everybody says why, and here here's the Rays front office operating an entire franchise that way. So. <laughs> they 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 uh, I don't know it it every time they do something, I'm always just like I I mean all I can do is that all I can do is throw my hands up and be like oh here we go, but uh, I mean until until last year. And then, and then everything kind of changed for us. So I can only hope that at least we're competitive. That's all I ever hope. You know, I, I'm not one of those fans that's like, oh, we need to, I want to go to the World Series. I don't know that that'll ever happen again. But, I mean, that, that's my hope. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that's my hope, obviously. But all I ever really want is just to not completely suck. I don't feel like that's a lot to ask for. I don't want to be the laughing stock of, of, of the league. For for you wins are. at least I I know I know, but at least at least if we're not losing on top of everything else, I feel like that's that's a little glimmer of hope. But uh, I mean, okay, it's hard, I have it's some, hard as a Rays fan to be too hopeful. I have some strong feelings on this. Um, first and foremost, let's we look. You're, Liz, you're a Devil Rays fan, and Terry and I are Red Sox fan, and we have people that listen to this podcast that live in Europe and outside of New England and everything else, right? It helps the sport of baseball to have competitive balance. And when you have a team that is willing to save $5 million on a guy who hit 30 home runs, it doesn't help the sport. Like, I'm annoyed by this, and I could give two fucks if the Devil Rays wins 50 games next year. But... I would like them to be competitive because the product is better. And they're talking, Major League Baseball is talking about expand expansion. Don't expand if you're going to let teams do this. This is a joke. It really is truly a joke to me. And Liz, like I respect the fact that you're remaining at least like 50-50 on, on like your um, hopefulness moving forward. But if this was me... Um, I would be I would be furious. Like I'm not one of these guys who's like, you know, going to cancel my DirecTV subscription. Um, but you know, I why would I buy a $60 sweater? Why would I buy Major League Baseball extra, 
innings. Why would I go to a game for what this team does? This team does not invest. Like if I'm a fan, you want a team that's going to invest, and this team just doesn't invest. I mean, but, but they've is, almost proven to some degree that they don't necessarily have to. I mean, yeah. sure, it was only one season. Maybe it was a fluke. But if they can do what they're doing, or if they can replicate at least. Well, he was a big part of what they were. He hit 30 bombs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. look, guys that hit 30 home runs don't grow on trees. And, and Liz, you jumped mm-hmm. in at a perfect time there because I was about to transition into your guys' analogy to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. There are two significant differences to trying to compare the double rays to the, to the New England Patriots, which, are, which is easily the best and most successful franchise in North American sports, if not, like, maybe if there's some soccer team out there that's better. But, I mean, they're literally the best. They're an ongoing 20-year um, dynasty. So... Real tough example here because one, the baseball, the penalty in NFL is the salary cap, uh, not the salary cap, the, the 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 cap, and and the the penalty you get when you cut a player with term left on his deal, uh, versus baseball where it's all relatively dollars for dollars. Because in the NFL, it's not. It's the dollars to cap dollars don't match. They just don't. Uh, the second reason why that analogy is pretty pretty tough on the eyeballs is. Um, one cha- one one franchise has gone five for eight in championship games, and one franchise will literally never win a, a World Series. So I'm sorry, but being competitive should not be the baseline. It should be being competitive for championships. That should be the baseline. And the the Rays to me are showing. Well, look, if we can just win 80 games, we'll keep people watching, we'll keep people coming to the ballpark at a relative clip so we can make money. But we're not really actually interested in winning ch- championships. This guy hit 30 home runs. 30 home runs isn't what it was 10 years ago. It's hard to hit 30 home runs. And I pulled up a stat. Unfortunately, in my stats 30 uh, from uh, 2013, fewest RBIs for players with 30-plus home runs. Rob Deere holds the record. Again, this stat's five years old, so if someone's done it since, then this isn't accurate. But Rob Deere hit 32 home runs um, in 1992 for the Tigers and only had 64 RBIs. Crone, I think, hit 30 bombs and 74 RBIs. How bad does the rest of your lineup have to be that you hit 30 jacks and you only knocked in 74 RBIs? I mean, of those 74 RBIs, 30 were yourself. So you, I mean, he had 44 RBIs where other people scored a run because of your swing. That is pathetic. And it's not, not CJ Crone, like, not you, dude. Like, I, I feel for you, bro. Because if you had some people on base and you went 30 and 110, you'd probably be getting paid 18 to 25 million this year, and you're not. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's a joke. It's a joke. And it doesn't help baseball generally, which is what bothers me. Yeah, and I mean, the Patriots analogy was just kind of a loose, you know, I don't know, comparison, but... Um, no, and I get that, Terry, and I didn't, I didn't I, if I spent more time on it than I intended, then that's not, I wasn't going for that, but, you know, um, and I get what, I get what Liz is saying, it's like, well, Jeremy, they're still probably going to overachieve. And, like, that says a lot about cash, and it says a lot about the fact that they found guys like Snell and, at least for one season, a guy like Crone, who they unceremoniously DFA'd for no reason other than to save $5 million. Um, I, I would love to see expansion because it means more baseball games, and I love I love that in the summer you can always have a game to watch. Do something with the Devil Rays before you do expansion. You know, and for 
for fans like Liz, who's obviously a very real and passionate fan, like I hope there's an, an answer in Tampa. But you have to do something with that franchise before you add other franchises. And this Crone deal just highlights that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I also, well, I, I don't, I don't think we should ever expand, really. I mean, it, it's a shame that Montreal doesn't have a baseball team. And um, there's another market out there that people have been pushing I heard for. Portland, because uh, people, because of the Oakland A's, you know, now trying to get the stadium and everything in there. Their situation is obviously extremely similar to the Rays in, in more ways than one. And uh, somebody, like I made some comment somewhere online, I'm not even sure where it was at this point, but uh, somebody was saying, you know, uh, Portland, Oregon is poised to put out public money, you know, right now. It's just whether or not they can get a team out there. And I'm like, you know, I, I could see one of the teams, you know, get possibly getting moved out there. I mean, they would still be, you know, a middle to small market. I mean, Portland's just a barely a big city, I guess, but... Um, uh, it'll, it'll come down to that, I'm sure. But the, the thing will be, I don't know the A's situation with their contract with Oakland and the stadium and all that kind of stuff, but I know the Rays are locked up till 2027 or something really something really long like that. So I don't know if the MLB can step in uh, or what happens, but I mean, it'll be it'll be a minute before they before they move. They'll they'll be. I don't know if you can be more than than the laughing stock they kind of already are, but. They'll, they'll be running to the ground a little bit more for a few more years if, if it takes moving them for there to be a change. I, I To go back to a football analogy, which I know Terry loves, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> they seem a lot like the St. Louis Rams, who are now the L.A. Rams and have now mm-hmm. found like almost immediate success in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm... You know, I live in Florida. I live in South Florida. Uh, you know, both Florida teams stink out loud. They're kind of laughing stocks. Um, with Tampa Bay, um, the Double Rays can't get a stadium. That stadium's a total dumpster fire. Or, or if it's not on fire, it should be lit on fire. Um, people don't go to that game and to those games. And one of the reasons why they they are um, able to monetize that product is because, generally speaking, old people still turn on the game and watch it in Tampa. Um, and that's that, not making that up. That's literally what happens. I think they have the, the second or third best TV market in Major League Baseball. And mm-hmm. that's because there's retirees that don't want to go to this piece of shit stadium. So they sit at home and watch the game, which I get. So they have a fan base. Um, they don't have much else. And the ownership just doesn't stand behind them. And neither does the city as far as going out to the games. And that's why I kind of liken them to the St. Louis Rams where – the, an owner is going to look at a, a different fan base and say, well, if that fan base is going to show up, then I'm willing to take them there. Um, and whether it be the current ownership or they sell the team and the, and the next owner then moves in and does that, I, I don't know. But I don't know that it's necessarily going to get better in Tampa. Well, St. Petersburg, I guess, is a bad location for it. So they're hoping to get it. Liz knows more about this than me, but you know more towards the the downtown district and yeah it's it's only bad based on population density and the fact that the bridges and everything if if you're in tampa and you say you get off work at 4 30 or 5 and the game starts at 7 
you're going to be sitting on the highway to go like where I am. I'm I'm very close to the airport. It's about maybe I don't know, 22, 25 miles to the stadium. It'll take me an hour usually, you know, to get there to cross the bridge and then, you know, go all the way down the highway, you know, to get there because the stadium's right off the highway. Once you're off the highway, it's it, you know, it's right there. But it, it's just that's just so droning and, and people they need season ticket holders and people that are going consistently, and that's just not happening. And St. Pete just isn't the booming metropolis with uh, not only just normal residents, but also, you know, a, a fair market of the of the season ticket holders are going to be companies, you know, that, that buy tickets, uh, you know, for various reasons. And, and they just don't have the headquarters in St. Pete like they do here. So, but, but I don't think they're going to get a stadium in Tampa. There's just no way. They, they only have until, I think, December 31st to 100% have the money to get out of their contract with St. Pete, and I just do not see that happening. If it happens, I, I don't even know what kind of outlandish thing I'll say that I'll do, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that's for another show. Maybe well, I'll throw it, something it better be live-streamed. It better be live-streamed. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Something. But it'll it'll be it'll be a miracle. Terry, seg- segment for next podcast, Liz needs to put something on the line for this for this <laughs> okay. situation. Oh, uh, it's got to be better than Hugh Jackson dunking his head in the in the lake in Cleveland. Uh, just 30 seconds or less because I don't think people care about this, but I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. My question. They're not going to care about my question, not what you oh, just okay. said. Um, Tampa Bay, like my sister lives in Tampa. I've spent some time in Tampa. Tampa's not great, in my opinion, um, as a sports town, just generally speaking. I mean, the weather's great and everything else, but like the Buccaneers are a dumpster fire in the NFL. True. And uh, that's not a that's side, not side, that's, side, not, that's not a hotbed for like you know fa- a fan base just because that stadium's in Tampa and that stadium's right off the highway in Tampa. True. True. Sorry, but I, so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say, side note about the Buccaneers and the fan base and all that kind of crap. So this Sunday's game is against the Panthers, and they're actually giving away two tickets to every season ticket holder, pretty much. Like, they're saying they have limited amounts, but last Sunday they had the lowest attendance they've ever had. I think it was around, like, 40,000. If the Leafs could get 40,000, that would be amazing. That'll never happen. Um, I don't even think the stadium... You're for proving it. the point you're trying to make, which I is... I know, I know, I know, I know. Move the team Tampa, go for it. But that doesn't, I mean, it just takes out the the commute and the reason why people can just say, oh, I'm not going because of the commute. Well, what? people are at the yeah. stadium and no one goes. You're talking so, about yeah. eight home games, though, compared to 81. So... Yeah, you only go to eight of them and they still don't go. No, oh, well, and yeah. you're talking about single game ticket being sixty five bucks versus being ten. I mean, there's a difference there too. Sure, concessions are still roughly the same, but I mean, look at the Lightning. The Lightning have a strong franchise, but something that the Lightning have that the Rays and the Bucks do not have is local ownership. I really think like a lot of that comes down to ownership and just them having a presence. Of, uh, why is his first name escaping me but Vinix is it Steve Vinix I don't know I think he's a I think he's a partial owner of the Red Sox actually or at least that's the rumor on the street but uh but he he is present in the community he's he's out there the players are out there everything it doesn't seem forced he owns a lot of real estate he's just now opening a big waterfront space down by the arena 
Like, he's doing so much, and I think that's, on top of winning, obviously, I think that's what endears that one franchise to the area. But the Glazers, I don't know where the hell they live, but I know they own Manchester United, and they invest a lot more money in them than they do the Bucks. so that that totally has them in the hole with the fan base in the first place. And then freaking... Stu Sternberg is a Met season ticket holder. That and he lives in White Plains, New York. He doesn't even have a home here. Like that, those those things as medial or whatever as they may seem, like to somebody who's a Red Sox fan uh, or a Yankees fan, some kind of big market like that. That that you're gonna have fans no matter what. It means something, I think, to a market like this, and uh, they're just not endearing themselves which is why frankly i think still my plan for the gofundme uh for the Rays stadium even though it will be laughed at repeatedly by every major sports media market there is uh initially i really feel like that will help garner the public support that's needed you know to at least maybe get some people to give a fuck about them like again but uh until something big happens with ownership and have them actually care about the area not just you know making back making money you know essentially which i know it's an investment they have to make money but if you want people to come spend their money you've got to you've got to show that you care about you know the space in which the the those people live in you know i don't know that's just that's well, just my thought but let, sorry. let's just quick let's quickly because i think it's time to move on to donaldson and no one yeah. gives a shit about the lightning but jeff yeah. vinnick spends on players yeah. like They've had yeah. legitimate superstars in Tampa, and, and 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 that team spends money on, on legitimate top ten players in in hockey. Um, and I'm not going to get into like the names and this and Steven Stamkos versus you know yeah. all these other guys, but yeah. I mean that's a significant difference. Whether he lives here and he's willing to do it, that I mean, what's the difference? The guy actually spends money, and there's a product, so of course people are willing to go to it. The Bucks suck, the Rays suck, and people don't want to go, and the ownership doesn't show any any. You know, getting back to baseball, the the ownership of the Devil Rays. Uh, you know, first of all, the fact that I call them the Devil Rays is because it's a it's it's a joke that they were <laughs> they were legitimately talked out of. The Devil Rays is is an aquatic like fish, or you know whatever it is, whatever it's it's classified as a genus or uh, you know whatever it is. They literally had they literally had relig- a religious group write a letter and say, please take the name Devil out of your name, and they were like, okay. Like, you, you named yourself after a fish and you got bullied by, like, some, like, you know, pop-up, you know. The Bible Belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, and I'm, this is not a religious thing. But yeah. it just goes to show you that, like, it wasn't a religious thing. They were named after a fish that floats. If you've ever been to Tampa and gone on a bottomless boat, you can see a devil ray. And and they were literally, they, they got a letter from a religious group saying, please take the word devil out of your team, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I'm sorry. It's a joke, and I think they're a big problem, and, and they hold the bottom end of baseball down uh, with, with some of the other problems like speed of pace and whatever else. But Donaldson, on the opposite side of things, I've been really impressed with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, this, They're willing to go. I actually predicted that Donaldson would have a one-year, I think I said 18 to $25 million deal. I tweeted something about it. I got some people laughing at me. Um, the haters of which there are not that many, uh, have been silent since this has happened. Um, it makes a ton of sense. And if I'm an Atlanta Braves fan today, I'm thinking the exact opposite. They're willing to spend $22 million for one year 
on a player capable of winning an MVP. He's not healthy. He hasn't been healthy. He's had some throwing issues. Um, but even in the National League, they can value and find a place to put him and know that if he's right offensively, he can hit 30 bombs, he can give you 100 RBIs, and he can hit in big moments. And um, to me, it's a no-brainer uh, with a team with a need for offense, like, for example, the Devil Rays, that you know the Braves are willing to do a one-year deal that's top-heavy on the, on the salary um, to see what they can get out of him. And he needed that opportunity so he can go get his big contract uh, and make his, you know, his generational money. So um, as much as I think the Devil Rays are a joke on the Crone situation, I think the Braves are really setting themselves up to be one of the favorites in the uh, NL as a result of this signing. You know, I'm a little pessimistic about whether or not he can, number one, stay healthy, and number two, perform to even 80% of the level he was when he won the MVP. But I'm not going to criticize a team, you know, for overpaying if it's on a one-year deal. If it doesn't work, it's over in a year. And there there's no long-term consequences and... Uh, I expected him to go to the American League where they could kind of hide him at DH. I figured there might be a, I don't know, a market of at least two or three teams that would, you know, sign him to at least a one-year deal. And I didn't think it would really go beyond one, but I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't have been shocked if it was a two-year deal. But he is trying to rebuild his value and. When it ended up being the Braves, they weren't really on my radar, you know, because obviously they're in the National League. But once it happened, I'm like, well, no wonder, you know, Alex Anthopoulos is their GM or president, whatever he calls himself. He's their top baseball executive, and and he came from Toronto where he held the same position, and he was the one who made the trade with Oakland uh, to bring Donaldson into um, you know, into Toronto, and that was the same off season that they got Troy Tulowitzki, which looked like a pretty good trade at the time, and they got David Price in a deal from the Tigers mid season. So this is a very aggressive general manager who's gonna not be afraid to take chances and and like I said this isn't a huge chance you know <laughs> signing Craig Kimbrell like I've been saying he they're probably gonna do that's kind of taking a chance you know a big chance but but the Donaldson signing they they weren't too strong at third base so um more power to him Terry I totally agree I, you know, you can't fault the team willing to take a shot, especially on a one-year deal. Like, they're basically rolling the dice at $22 million, thinking that they can get this sort of production, okay? Two years with Oakland, 23, uh, 24 bombs, 93 RBIs. Uh, next year with Oakland, 29 home runs, 98 bombs, and a really pitcher-friendly friendly ballpark. Then he goes to Toronto, goes 41 and 123, wins the MVP. Next year, 37.99. Next year, 33.78. Next year, which is last year, he gets hurt. Like, if you're brave, like, you're going to go buy a T-shirt. You're, you're going to want to go get tickets because this team just showed you they're willing to spend $22 million 
It's not an investment. It's not a marketing ploy. It's they want to win baseball games. And you got to be able you want to get behind decisions like that. It's a smart signing. And, and um, you know, I, I, I really don't give two shits if the Braves are successful or not. But if I'm a Braves fan, hypothetically, um, you know, it just goes to show that they this isn't about dollar bills. This isn't about revenue. In fact, this is probably going to hurt their bottom line. They're not. I don't think they're going to see a, a significant increase of revenue and marketing and spending and TV deals because of this. But what are they going to see? They may say uh, they may see the three wins they need to overtake and win the division and and beat win a series and move on and maybe compete for a championship. So that's that's what you like to see on the opposite end and and. Uh, uh, of the Devil Rays, this is this is a team that is legitimately trying to win games and work towards the goal of winning a World Series. So it's and that this is good for baseball. So, any thoughts, Liz? Uh, I'm beaten down, so no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I mean I, I wasn't sure, you know, what was going to happen with Donaldson. I I guess I thought, you know, he would probably stay in the AL too, but. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, the Braves. I I was actually kind of more surprised about McCann going back there in a way uh, than um, than uh, than than the Donaldson thing. But you know, because McCann, you know, that's where that's where he started. He was there most of the time, and now he's he's coming back. And he, you know, he was hurt. I guess you know last year. I don't, I don't know. He only played sixty three games, but. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. You know what he can do. You know back in the. You know where he started, you know, basically. I, I, so I wonder if he's going to come back and, and do that, but who he's knows. He's taking <laughs> on a David Ross type role, I think, at this point in his career. And, you know, he's That's all, a really good analogy. Yeah, and he's a smart baseball guy, works well with, um, you know, pitching staffs, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it's only a $2 million deal, so he's basically getting paid like a, a veteran backup catcher, so... Um, so he can retire as a brave, basically, and and probably well that that and if he's if he's a five forty OPS and and isn't moving behind the plate the same way they can they can DFA him and and then not be a risk. But again, they're willing to blow two million dollars. They're willing to do that. Um, if I'm a Devil Rays fan, my and um, my response, my input here would be, well, fuck Devil Rays. We need offense. We're desperate for offense. And you can sign a potential MVP level talent for one year and overpay. Like, Devil Rays, we're not asking you to sign this guy for six years and $150 million. But he's going to give you one year in production that's potentially off the charts if he gets back to normal. That's how I would look at it. Like, God damn it. I would, you know, I would, I would want this player for one year at $22 million if I was a Devil Rays fan, in my opinion, anyways. And I'm not Wait. a Devil Rays fan, so maybe I'm a little jaded, but. I don't know what I want, honestly. I mean, a lot of people are talking. A lot of a lot of uh, chatter, I guess, is uh, you know, there, are the Rays going to get like an aged, you know, an aged player, which is pretty characteristic of them. You know, they tend to get you know the older superstars, almost like they're trying to just bring in a name so people actually can look at a roster and be like, oh, that like when we got uh, Johnny Damon and Manny Ramirez. Like, I really felt like that was just so there was someone in the lineup, you know, other than, obviously, everybody knew Longoria at that point. 
you know, like, oh, I recognize them. Like, Yankee fans and, and Red Sox fans can be like, oh, yeah, like, they're cool. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not a Rays fan, but I was a fan of Damon and Ramirez, so here we go. Like, they're almost, uh, a lot of people are thinking they're going to maybe put, them, put themselves in a position to do something like that and maybe, you know, get... I don't know, an aging player somewhere. Somebody, a couple people keep saying Goldschmidt. I don't necessarily see that happening, but honestly, I I don't even know. I throw my hands up in the air so many times with this team, I, I can't even speculate anymore. You know, all, the whole team could be different by the time the season starts next year. Who knows? You know, they could switch everybody out and have a whole, they're like, hey, rookies did well for us last year. Let's try rookies again, trade everybody, or do whatever we're going to do, and who knows? They're they're insane. <laughs> we'll uh, get into uh, a mock trade segment right now. And uh, looking at the time, we are at the hour mark. So I think what we're going to do, we were going to discuss um, s- s- a half a dozen managers or so that could be on the hot seat throughout 2019. I think we'll push that one back uh, to next week's the midweek show so we'll wrap with um this next segment because i feel like it could easily go another 20 minutes um but uh uh, jeremy why don't you uh bet lead off with uh the trade scenario that you came up with sure thanks terry um there are going to be people that if they listen to this segment uh, will tweet at me and it will be like potentially personal so i'm just gonna put this out there right like and i'm not um i'm not a contrarian i'm not someone who just says something just to spark a debate so i can like step away from the from like the fire and watch like the the charlie brown fight happen i don't do Um, that either no no you don't um This, this, you know, and so I say it with some reticence because I feel like it could easily be viewed that way. And I, and at the, and as I talk through it, I'll tell you whether I actually want it to happen or not because I'm not completely convinced one way or the other. My trade is Madison Bumgardner for Mookie Betts and a high-level prospect, or a high-level prospect from a third team that would have to be involved because my understanding is that the San Francisco Giants um, farm sister farm system is an absolute dumpster fire because you know he, and, and so just so we have like the, the pieces in play to evaluate this thing Bumgarner's on the final year of his deal um, I was actually going to talk about Bruce Bochy as my one of my managers that I was going to discuss that's a factor he's kind of nearing the end um, and then Betts has two years left and he is already rebuked any efforts by the Red Sox to buy some arbitration years to get him signed long term, which has me seriously concerned that the Red and when this is something we've talked about in the past, I'm not going to necessarily talk about it now. But long story short, um, you know Terry is of the mindset that no one's worth eight to ten years and three hundred million dollars. Um, I am not going to go so far as no one's worth it. Because I think if anyone might be worth it, it's someone as athletic and young and as dynamic as Mookie. But I, I also don't sit there and go, well, you have to do it. So with that on the table, you get Madison Bumgarner, you sign him, and you go use Mookie to get a young, you know, or maybe even two real high-end prospects and a proven stud pitcher 
and you go and roll out Bumgardner, Sale, Price, Porcello, and who gives a fuck? And you probably are going to be the the favorite to win a World Series as a result. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And you can go sign somebody to play. And JD will have to play a little bit more in the outfield, maybe. Maybe you'll have to sign a fourth outfielder that's a cusp, you know, everyday player uh, um, or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I really think you can get a lot of value, like real, real top-end value for bets now. And you eliminate the risk of losing them for nothing. Because if you wait next year, you're not going to get that haul back. You're not because people aren't going to want to invest one year in Mookie Betts when it's a certain it's it's almost a virtual certainty that he's going to test free agent free agency. Then if you wait to the All Star break next year or the trade deadline next year, then now you're risking the the Bryce Harper situation where you you risk losing him for literally nothing. So trade him now, get Madison Bumgarner, get a top end prospect, get two top end prospects. Hopefully you leave on good terms and you don't eliminate yourself from the sweepstakes in two years. Then you get you get a contract, hopefully out of Bumgardner. You get prospects, and then in two years you go if 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 he's still doing what he's doing in Boston, you go try to sign him, and maybe you get him back. And uh, you know that's my trade uh, proposal. I love the idea of bringing in Bumgardner because if Sale can't perform in the second half and I'm going to say for now that it's more likely that that's going to happen I hope I'm wrong but if if he does kind of fall off that cliff that he usually does Red Sox fans will will now have another ace Bumgarner who also like Sale will reach free agency at the end of the year and I just think that gives the fan base it gives the front office a good look at another top-end pitcher that might be a little more viable long-term than Chris Sale, because I feel like with Sale, we just have to be happy that we got him in his prime, and he helped us win a World Series, and everybody's going to want to re-sign him, and I just think sometimes you just have to be happy with, with what he gave you, and just accept the fact that you know the grass isn't always greener with with a you know long term deal given given all the red flags with his health. So I absolutely love Bumgarner coming to the Red Sox and but the I've Jer- Jeremy and I we talked about this uh, you, you know that trade scenario a few hours ago and I you know I've had more time to think about it. I just I, I don't know that. I just don't know that Mookie would be viable for the Giants because they're not going to he's got 2 years left and they're they're probably not going to be competitive you know even in the second year of that deal so I it's Well just, there's there's one more factor too why I don't think it's going to happen although I wouldn't lose my mind if it did is it's the sort of thing where if you make the deal and it doesn't like totally work out in your favor, meaning like Bumgarner wins a World Series as Cy Young and gives you five good years, and 
and Mookie goes out and is either a non-factor or has like a career-ending injury. Because if you make that deal and it, it's like it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, like you're out of baseball. You're the guy who traded Mookie Betts in the prime of his career with multiple multiple years left, and it didn't work out. Like it's it's career suicide. Um, so I understand it would come with a ton of risk, but it's the the haul you would get back. I think at least has to me put you in the conversation where you'd have to think pretty hard if the Giants were called and said, "Hey, look." You know, and Terry, by the way, I get what you're saying. Like, they're not necessarily, you know, ter- if you're going to trade for Mookie Betts, you'd think you'd be in a win-now situation. So I get it. But let's say they did call, hypothetically, and they were like, look, here's Madison Bumgarner. Here's our number one prospect. And we've got a third team involved where if you trade, you know, if you trade some, you know, I, name, name some, you know, end-of-the-roster guy, um, and you also get, for that team who's maybe need, has a need another you know maybe a starting pitching prospect do you make it terry yeah well i would when we traded for chris sale we gave up our number one bat and we gave up our number one pitching prospect i mean i would for another team's top prospect in both areas i probably would trade mookie bats i really and would and Bumgarner. yeah 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 i mean i just, when when you break down the the trade the way you did i really it makes more sense for mookie to go to the third team it, you know if a third team's going to be involved I, I would think he would go to the third team and then the red sox get Bumgarner and a prospect and then that third team whoever's getting Mookie will have to send you know the exact prospects that San Francisco's looking for to bolster their system you know realistically but I'm not opposed to trading Mookie Betts and I I mean Mass and Bumgarner's won three World Series so I mean so that's what brings me to how I reverse engineered my because the, the 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 podcast topic was basically within Major League Baseball come up with a trade that has somehow involves the Boston Red Sox. So it's like, God, like we're good in so many spots. We've got guys under long term contracts in so many spots. So where could you potentially improve one area? where you have a surplus and we have a surplus in the outfield. We have really the, what is widely considered the best outfield in baseball. At the same time, we have significant questions in the starting rotation with sales, health price flips the script holds all the cards now, which I get, (laughs) but it's still price and he could easily, you know, go revert back to a dumpster fire. So you take, you take this guy who's already turned down the overtures to sign a long-term deal and you go get that other spot better as a result. And that's the way I thought about it. And so my, my thought was, well, who would we want in, in that sort of deal? Who would you be willing to give up bets to, to get back this player? And I could think of like maybe Mike Trout, which by the way is never going to happen. Um, 
I, I really was kind of at a loss except for this elite guy that has a one-year deal left who is basically kind of – it's known that he's not going to resign where he is now. And that's that's how I kind of basically fell into my thought process on this trade. Um, so I, I, I think now that I – you know, I, if I have to kind of make a decision on whether I do it or not, I'd say no. Um because I think you can go get another pitcher like like Keuchel. And to get Keuchel, all you'd have to give up is dollar bills. You wouldn't have to give up assets. So I think if, if the honest-to-God truth, although this is my hypothetical and now I'm saying I wouldn't do it, I think I'd rather just get Keuchel for dollars, save bets, save any other assets or trade assets you may have to involve, and go that route. Yeah, and... You know, I mean, we're not hurting for, you know, starters. We still do have sale, still do have price. Porcello could very well give us a very productive year. Hopefully, Eduardo Rodriguez can do the same. I mean, he got off to a decent start this year and then hurt his uh, ankle there, you know, running to first to try to you know, get the uh, runner out, but, um, you know, so we have a little bit, and if you, if you do spend money, you know, just on a Keiko type guy, then, yeah, you're pretty strong in the rotation, and, and you still do have Mookie, you know, for another two seasons, but, you know, we're, we're not in the worst shape ever, so that's a good thing. Uh, Liz, what uh, what trade would would you float out there if you uh, were wielding the sword? Uh, admittedly, admittedly uh, th- this is not my strong suit uh, at all. Like I, I don't really, you know, think too much about you know trades and combinations, and I, I won't even pretend to 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 know more than I do. I always say you, I'll never be the the baseball fans and have the knowledge base that that both of you guys do. Uh, so bear with me and perhaps the absurdity of what I'm about to say. But uh, it actually does involve Dallas Keigel and it does involve Chris Sale. And uh, obviously Keigel's a free agent where Sale is not, so you couldn't even try to do a, you know, a trade there per se. But if money was an issue, let's say they were trying to free up to be able to invest a little bit more in somebody that's a little more physically sound, like Keigel versus Sale, because uh, sales health is somewhat unknown, you know, at this point, you know, something is going on, but he's still hanging on and doing all right right now. It's just, you know, what kind of longevity is he, you know, is he going to have, you know, at the end of the contract, which, uh, you know, you hate to get to that and then, you know, get nothing like for him um, or, or whatever, I guess. But, but what about, you know, just trying to see if you can get, I don't know any any team basically that'll that'll take sale, you know, for you know for the money, you know, and maybe just get something medial for him, you know, maybe prospects, you know, since you gave up prospects to get him in the first place. I mean, you got the best years from him. Maybe kind of you know cut cut the loss there to try to be able to invest more money in a free agent, you know, like Keigel, uh, you know, because I I really hate seeing Scott Boris's name attached to any player. Most of the time, I feel like, you know, maybe he didn't, he wasn't single-handedly the one that ruined baseball, but he certainly contributed, uh, you know, in a way, you know, building all these big contracts, you know, initially, you know, he was the, the, 
the pioneer, you know, when it came to that kind of thing, it seems. But, um, but I mean, Keigel is, is going to come with a high price tag. And, and I just think, you know, year over year, you're probably going to get, you know, more from him, you know, than, than sale. So, uh, I don't know. Like I said, this, this is definitely not something I, I was trying to think of something else, something better, <laughs> trying to see, you know, because I know the rotation is, you know, more so the bullpen than, than the starters is kind of where the Red Sox are, are leaning. Uh, I saw something uh, about, you know, maybe looking at, I forget even his name, uh, with the Mariners uh, or something because the Mariners are, are selling, you know, right now, obviously. But uh, but that's that's really my, my best bet, and I'm sure that's completely asinine, but, uh, but that's all no, I got, guys. No, 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 it is not asinine. Um. And I, Liz, you're thinking like a Devil Rays fan, because because <laughs> you are a Devil Rays fan. Yeah, I suppose. So you're thinking like, and honestly, it's actually a really good thought. Like, you can save the money on sale. Who's this question mark to get that money and put it into Keiko, which is sound logical reasoning that the Marlins, the Devil Rays. Um, maybe the Kansas City Royals would consider, but you're the Boston Red Sox in the hypothetical, mm-hmm. as far as as far as I know. So, um, what the Boston Red Sox I think would do was keep Chris Sale at the dollars that he's at, which is really reasonable for his ability. Yeah, and then sign and then just sign Keuchel anyways, because you're the Red Sox mm-hmm. and you have an unlimited yeah. person you can. Yeah. So you, you're you are applying. Um, which, by the way, I really think it just stokes conversation. So I really, really, I think your hypothetical is great, and I think it really is great for the podcast. I think it's going to um, create a good dialogue here. Um, you're, you're, you applied double raise logic to a Red Sox move, <laughs> and and in my and just like you know, um, there's no reason to get rid of Sale because you are the Boston Red Sox and you don't have mm-hmm. to, and you just go sign yeah. Kankalas. So. But I get what you're saying 100%, and it makes a lot of logical sense if you're worried about the dollars and bills. But I don't think the Red Sox coming off a World Series where they just made a ton of revenue are worried about the dollar bills, especially even if it means they got to pay a tax on it. Well, but, I mean, in that vein, though, I mean, why even worry about what Mookie's going to want in two years? You know, if, if the Red Sox, you know, have this seemingly uh, bottomless, you know, wallet, you know, why not just... You know, unless he honestly doesn't want to play for the team anymore and just, you know, is willing to, I, I mean, I don't know, like take some kind of a deal where he's going to be making extremely similar money, you know, just to get get out of playing in Boston. I don't necessarily see see that, you know, as something that he would do, but obviously I don't know him, I, you know, know much about him as far as a player. But, but I mean, why, why not just sign him for whatever he wants as long as he's still the movie that he is right now? Because ten years, ten years is longer than the current TV deal. Yeah, it's like the tenth year, you have n- literally you have no idea. Like you don't know what the cap's going to be. You don't know if in ten years, so many people, so many millennials have cut the cord that baseball has become a live streaming thing where you buy you you pay per game. You don't know in a decade what what it's going to be like uh, with the the TV deal. The you know. You know, where the I mean, it's just it's that there's that much unknown. 
And so you look at the situation, and Terry is going to chime in here because Terry is so anti-10-year deals for anybody, including Mookie Betts, that you know it's like it's a conclusion that like you just can't do it. Uh, and and I get what Terry's saying because what we're talking about is Chris Sale for one more year at a some certain, and then Keiko for probably four years in a Rick Porcello deal, which is about four years, eighty-two million, which I'd be totally okay with. I'd be all on board, and you're. Your rotation would just be Sale, Keiko, Price, Porcello, and Terry Cushman. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but 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 it's we're talking about short term deals that end by 2021, 2022. In the Mookie situation, you're talking about getting close to 2030. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what the, we don't know what Major League Baseball is going to look like in ten years. That's why, frankly, and I hate this. I hate it with a white hot passion. I agree with Terry. Ten year deals don't make sense. There's too much unknown after year basically four or five, or even six. The absolute best player. You don't know what the salary. What what if what if we expand Major League Baseball expands. But yet the dollars tighten because there's just not as much people watching the game, and all of a sudden the salary cap's 150, even though at and in the current market it's closer to 200. Like, you just don't know. Well, and I agree. I can't say I'm a I'm not a fan of 10 year deals either. I think it's completely ridiculous. But and I'm not saying I, I would be a fan of the Red Sox signing a a 10 year or whatever amount of years you want to put on it deal for for Mookie. But I mean. It, depending on what the climate is, you know, when, uh, when he, you know, when it comes to that point, uh, or if they can't get him in any type of extension, you know, before that. Uh, but like you guys said, at this point, he's not interested in that. But, um, but I mean, if it, if it came down to it and it wasn't 10 years, maybe he was willing to settle for, you know, for if say eight, seven or eight, and then you know, close to the same money, but seven or eight years, something. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. There is way too much unknown. I don't like anything more than four or five years, just because so many things can happen. But uh, like I said, def- definitely not something I, I'm a, I'm anywhere close to being educated on. And uh, it was a kind of a struggle <laughs> to 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 think about this and look at you know who's a you know who who would be a good match who's Who's actually willing to even give up, you know, anything? I, I don't even all right, know. All right, well, well, first of all, don't – all right, hold on. Don't sell yourself short, Liz, because what you did was apply your team's um, – <laughs> your team's personality to a Red Sox decision, which I think really stokes conversation and highlights the difference between, got, you know, teams that have the money to spend and teams that are just so cheap that they don't give a shit about anything but their bottom revenue. So – I actually think this is this this hypothetical is probably better than mine because it creates a lot more conversation on a level that's more than just what this hypothetical pre- uh, presents. It, it 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 brings in like you know um, general um, discussion on how teams build rosters. So, but anyways, Terry, chime in here, will you? Yeah, I just if the my concern would be if. If we dangled him, the suspicions would just run rampant uh, amongst other teams going, well, why, why don't you want him? <laughs> you know, like, what's wrong with him? 
you know, that type of thing. And even if, you know, he went to, you know, a physician of whatever other team's choice, let's say, um, let's say the Astros want him or something, and he, he met with their physicians, passed a physical, I just think, I still think they would be really skeptical about him getting through a full season, you know. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against it because, like I said, I don't I don't think he is going to be that helpful to us in the last two or three months of the season. And I don't think we're going to have necessarily a seven or eight game lead on the second place team come, you know, August 15th or, or September 1st. So we're going to need probably five healthy starters It's because it's not going to be like 2018 every time. So, um, you know, I would move him, you know, especially if that, if that helped us get, you know, a top level free agent or maybe – Maybe we just net a decent prospect in there. It wouldn't be a top five prospect, but it it could be you know a six through ten prospect in in another system. And you know if if the front office does their due diligence, you could really you know you know you could really hit on a prospect. I mean Mookie Betts. We keep going back to him. He was drafted in the fourth round. He wasn't even a first rounder. So, I mean, you, you never know. But um, anyway, let's, uh, let's uh, I'll get mine out of the way here. Um, my trade would be with the Cleveland Indians, who right now seem to be willing to uh, wheel and deal, so to speak, and uh, have basically said they're open to anything, uh, you know, if the deal is right. Um, I would send Blake Swihart, our second and and this the Indians need a catcher because Jan Gomes is a free agent and they're probably not going to uh, re-sign him. So Swihart would be in that deal. Our second best pitching prospect Brian Mata would be in the deal, and then Sam Travis just to kind of just to kind of round it out. And then the Red Sox would get back Trevor Bauer, who has two years of control left. And um, coming off an injury, but it it was a I don't know what do you call it a an impact injury. The ball went off his ankle, so it wasn't a, like a wear and tear type thing. So, but I would bring Bauer to Boston, and he's got a fiery personality. I mean, he was calling out the entire um, Houston Astros pitching staff for cheating because he thought they were doctoring the ball so, like coca-cola was something else to get the spin rate like it was that specific formula to get the ball to spin the exact way that it was and nothing was ever proven and and i don't think the astros i mean who knows because they were putting they were spying with uh cameras but um but he's he's very outspoken, and I don't think the city of Boston would rattle him one bit. And uh, that's just kind of what I came up with. Okay. Um, there's things I like about Bauer, and there's things I don't like about Bauer. I did not have the benefit, by the way, of hearing your trade proposal until right now. 
So everything I'm about to say is off the cuff. So if I say something really dumb, I re- 100% <laughs> reserve the right to change my comment. Um, I like Bauer for his competitiveness. Um, I like quirky players or that are not like, you know, cookie cutter athletes that just get up there and, you know, I would try to execute one pitch at a time. Uh, like I, I get it. I like the personality. It, it makes the post game, um, press conferences and on field interviews more interesting. And he is a gamer. There are things I don't like about him though. Like the, the cut in his finger in the middle of a playoff run on a drone. It's careless. It's stupid. It's irresponsible. Um, the whole thing he has with his high school friends about if if he ever signs a multi-year deal, then he owes them fifty percent of it or whatever it, whatever it is. He he's basically always going to go one year to one year. That that creates a situation for the team where if you trade for him, he could literally bolt at any point. Whether it's a disconnect with the fan base, a disconnect with the pitching coach, the manager, a guy in the clubhouse. Like, for example, we have the little leader. Um, it doesn't create a real sense of like a long term. You're, you're purchasing a long term asset for what you're giving up here. Now, would I do it? Yes. Because he still has two years of player uh, team control despite that they're really just one-year deals or one-year arbitration deals. Swihart has no use on this team if you're going to keep Leon and um, Vasquez. So, like, Swihart to me is just a surplus of, of talent. And, you know, like any surplus, it's always best to move it than keep it, uh, especially when the asset is, a, is an athlete that has an expiration date. Um, I don't know anything about Brian Matta. Um, and I'm just going to assume that your evaluation of him as the second best pitching prospect in the organization, I guess, behind Groom. Um, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, if they see him as a top two starter or whatever, like maybe that has an effect. But like, may, if it's anything lower than that, I, I kind of agree. Like, put him in it, whatever, because Bauer's already that, and you're so built to win now that saving a, a prospect for two or three years from now, when Betts may be gone, Bogarts may be gone. And you're not what you are right now. It just doesn't make sense. Like I've already said, I'd rather load up and win another one than than try to extend this for two years and and potentially not. So I'm okay with that. And then Sam Travis is trash. <laughs> he stinks. Um, he's not overly talented. He doesn't do one thing really really well. Like he doesn't hit for consistent power. He doesn't hit for average. He's not an elite on base guy. He's not a, uh, athletic. He's not. Um, I mean, I guess one thing with Sam Travis is his willingness to do basically whatever it is to get stay on a major league roster. So he'll play left. He'll play first. I would have, I would assume that he'd sit on the stool down the first baseline, uh, wearing a uh, you know a no flap helmet and catch foul balls if it means he could stay in Boston and and be a big leaguer. But he stinks, so that's a throw in. So with the trade proposed, I would do it. I would do it yesterday, and I think it makes you significantly better and gives you a chance to win another World Series uh, in 2019. Well, I'm a sympathizer to Sam Travis, and I, I don't think he's really had a you know a, a thorough enough uh, sample size to say one way or the other. But you know. the only problem with that, Terry, is that in baseball, it's not like you you pull a guy and like in NFL, there's no. 
there's no minor league. So you pull a guy in, like let's say the the Packers. If he doesn't produce, then you you don't have you can't go put him in like the AAA of the NFL and say, okay, go get your reps down there and then come back. That I mean, he's had 1,500 at bats in the Red Sox system, but only a hundred or so at the major league level. Yeah, but he's not. He hasn't shown on any level that he's elite or anywhere near it or that he has one specific thing that he does really, really well. I just, you know, and we've already identified, by the way, in other podcasts that we just totally disagree on Sam Travis, so I'll let you continue. Yeah, well, he has shown power, uh, you know, all the way up until the major leagues. I mean, he just can't or hasn't yet cleared that last hurdle. Um, getting back to Bauer, though, um, just to illustrate, last year, 12-6, and six, you know, win-losses don't really matter a whole lot, but his uh, ERA, 221, started 27 games. If you're a war stat geek, he, had, he was a 5.7 war, which is pretty good for a starting pitcher. And uh, his whip, just a little over 100, so... Uh, oh, and 221 strikeouts, which I think isn't that far off from where Jake DeGrom was, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think DeGrom was around 260 or so and, and had more starts. So, um, so you know, a, a big strikeout guy, you know, there's a lot to like. I do get the quirkiness, especially in the year-to-year type thing, you know, but... For now, I'm just kind of focused on the two, and and you know we'll we'll see what happens after that. But I think I think he could definitely make a huge impact on the uh, 2019 Red Sox. So that was just you know one of several scenarios I probably could have came up with. And with Mata, I mean one player in the deal. If you're getting a Trevor Bauer type guy who's at a minimum, a number two guy in a rotation, maybe even an ace at this point. You gotta, you gotta give up someone of substance. So, um, I, I'd hate to give up a a, a relatively uh, top end pitching prospect, but you gotta give someone up for for a player, you know, on Bauer's level. But, those are my thoughts. Well, I sorry, Liz. I I no 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 no. The only thing I was gonna say, because because I, I mean I hadn't admittedly like I, until recently, I Trevor Bauer was like not even really on my radar at all. And it's funny how I found out about him was they were talking about his his situation where he won't sign a multi year deal, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. But um, so I, I'm sure that that trade, you know, I mean, it, it gives away, you know, pieces that that the Red Sox don't need right now to win. So so, I mean, if that works for them, I mean, that's probably perfect uh, as far as that's concerned. But my my question or thing that I was going to bring up, it's funny that you say, you know, his uh, recklessness or whatever word you use, Jeremy, I can't remember about him cutting his finger. It off was recklessness, recklessness. And uh, but. Even though I, I think it was in the off season when Bumgarner injured himself on a dirt bike, and you know, not that you know that impacted his season, 
and everything. I thought it was a four-wheeler, but upon Googling uh, just a little bit, uh, I guess it was a dirt bike. And not to say that players can't have fun and, you know, go out and do things and whatever, but it's it certainly that he's not un... Maybe not reckless, but uh, he's could be known as like a little bit of a risk taker in that way. I mean, you, you get a guy and you spend money on him, you know, maybe set him up, you have him for a couple of years and then you find out he goes up in the mountains and he's on a dirt bike and then all of a sudden, you know, an accident happens. I mean, freak things can happen all the time. I mean, look at Jose Fernandez for God's sake. But, uh, but I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's certainly not, you know, David Price playing Fortnite and hurting his hand, you know, that's just silly, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's Liz. Just, Liz, how dare you? How dare you? 90 minutes into the podcast, bring up David Price in that. Because you know that you just turned this into a three-hour podcast, if you let me uh, No, it can't be. It can't be. But Are you serious with that? No. Um, in all seriousness, I could do another 90 minutes on how soft David Price is and that whole fake injury. But um, the, 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 here's the difference, okay? Because the Madison Bumgarner um, injury is really – a sound reasonable topical response like I, it is 100 percent. and when i was talking about my trade it was something i was thinking about but i didn't want to get into um it's it's 100 percent. now when you have two people okay and let's say like one has one blip on the radar and he 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 did he he got st- Injured in a stupid situation, which, if you're a professional athlete, were potentially worth a hundred million dollars, you'd think you wouldn't. You'd put yourself in a bubble and you just wouldn't do it. But then you have this other guy who's flying drones and cuts his finger trying to catch it without shutting off the engine, and has a stupid deal with his high school buddies and this, and it's like another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. Mm-hmm. Which one do you look at and go, okay, that's an outlier? Like that, that's probably not going to happen again versus when you look at Bauer, you go, okay, well, what's next? What mm-hmm. dumb thing is next? You know? And, that, and now with all that said, I'd take him with, if I don't think respectfully to Terry, I don't think Swihart, Mata and Travis would do it, but if it could, like I'll drive to Cleveland and drive Bauer back to Boston. No problem. I'll do that for this. I'll, I'll do that for the team. No rickshaw this time? Uh, I said no rickshaw. Remember, you were willing to rickshaw David Price out of Boston. Oh, Oh, sorry. I don't know. I don't know either. It was the rickshaw. I, uh... Use my uh, girlfriend's phone for the Skype, but unless he muted his mic on accident, that's happened with uh, other people. Yeah, I wondered if I I do that at work all the time. When I'm on the phone, I'll accidentally lean on my mute button and. Yeah, no, he's still with us. All right. <laughs> uh, might just be having a tech problem. But yeah, and Jer- Jeremy's right. I mean, you know, maybe maybe you'd have to upgrade one of the players in my package here. But um, but yeah, I uh, who knows? But you know, I'm sure I'm sure the Red Sox would get it done if it didn't involve a uh, 
Chavis or a Dahlbeck type guy uh, oh. being put in it. So, Jeremy, are you there? <laughs> well, you know what? We're just. I think we're just going to wrap anyway. Um, Sounds we, good to me. We we set a goal the last podcast to uh, end it in uh, sixty minutes or less, and uh, it went ninety four minutes anyway. Uh, so, I know. Yeah. It, it oh, here happened. he is. He's got. A, uh-huh. I'm back. Okay. I'm back. Something happened there. Yeah. Well, we're we're about ready to wrap anyway. Do you have a final thought or? Um. No. Um. What my final thought would be this. Okay. Bryce Harper, you scumbag, Manny Machado. <laughs> Did you guys go ahead and get whatever the hell you're going to do out of the way so the rest of Major League Baseball can get on with their lives? That's it. Just like everyone's waiting, you know, like the Phillies are waiting, you know, the Yankees are waiting. And if you if you sign with them or you don't sign with them or whatever, it just it, those guys are going to go out and pour their money into other things. So, like, just please do whatever you're going to do. It would give us a podcast, maybe two to talk about it. And then the rest of baseball could just get on with their lives. Yeah, well, the winter meetings are the week after next, so maybe um, maybe one of them will uh, have a new team by that point. But I think we're going to wait at least that long, unfortunately. So, uh, But anyway, we'll wrap on that. Jeremy, uh, we'll uh, figure out a Sunday show and uh, go from there. Yeah, guys, appreciate it. I thought today's um, was a kind of a unique uh, format, and it gave us a chance because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere in the off season to talk about some things we normally wouldn't talk about. So uh, appreciate you guys, Liz. Um, thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, no, thank thank you guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Liz. Have a good night. Well, that will be a wrap for episode 104. Still can't believe we're in the triple digits, but uh, not a lot going on with the Red Sox right now. Um, Just kind of seeing what the market does. And uh, we didn't mention Evaldi at all, but he's uh, being aggressively uh, pursued right now. Uh, by the Astros apparently so kind of looking less and less likely that he will be back with us but um, we'll uh, discuss him more as the uh, off season progresses so uh, thank you all for uh, staying up late with us and we'll uh, we'll catch you Sunday night take care I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation it's a kind of insanity yeah, I live and die with Red Sox right for eternity I sleepwalk through the days when there's a West Coast swing Married to the TV and the radio For tickets in October I'd give anything Still paying
Sakura.